0: We're back starting with a star of the week from our Canadian small cap growth stock research, Dynacor Gold Mines Inc, symbol DNG on the TSX, a company which should be no stranger to our clients. The company purchases ore from small-scale miners or artisanal miners in various regions of Peru, processes it at its mill, and sells the extracted gold and silver internationally at market prices. The company just reported record Q1 2022 (laughs) quarterly revenues and earnings and appears positioned for further growth, and we'll take a look at it. In our stock versus stock segment, Aaron answers a listener question on which tech online retail enabler, Amazon or Shopify offers better value in the current market. The listener wonders if Shopify, which is down an astonishing 75% year to date, is finally offering value. So let's get into the show this week. I'm going to welcome Aaron Brennan, I think he has what a tummy ache or something like that. Oh, I, I, I heard really he t- he stubbed
1: his toe yeah. or something stubbed like that. Yeah, he says he's not he's not up to doing the podcast today. So that's
0: true. Honestly, it, it, we're gonna have to rip him next. The,
1: week. Qual- oh, the quality of the, of the recording can only you know benefit from that. So
0: I I predict. You know, record, he 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 record says record he's sick,
1: but I looked at his Instagram and I can see some pictures of him out partying last night. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we we've seen that.
0: <laughs> On a related note, did we not see that for somebody who interviewed for a job last week? Uh, I mean,
1: maybe we did. Oh maybe God. we did. Uh,
0: maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. There was hundreds of people. But we, interviews. but we, de- so but we knows?
1: definitely saw it for Brennan.
0: We definitely saw it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's he, good.
0: I'm just going to say he's not alone. Now, Now, it is interesting markets. Any comments on the market? Yeah. I mean, generally well, I speaking, mean, before I, we get into the dinosaur here,
1: there's no lack of comments on the market. One of the things that I was thinking before the podcast. We could go on and on. Yeah. There's just there's so many things going on right now. Like, there's just so much to talk about. It's, it's um, probably. Putting the, the the drop that we saw during the COVID period aside, this is probably the most volatility I've seen since 2011. And it may be getting to the point where it's even exceeding that. I mean, I may have to check the record. But, you know, COVID, obviously, there is a very uh, understandable explanation for that as the economy was shutting down. And there is, is also an under, understandable explanation for the fear that we're seeing right now. But I was looking at the NASDAQ today, uh, down 26% year to date and most of that is the tech sector it's, uh, it's other sectors as well but most of that is, is the tech sector some of these companies have just been absolutely smashed uh, and we've talked in the past that we have a list of tech companies in the us that we're going through um, researching and we think that there could be some potentially great opportunities long-term opportunities coming out of this volatility but what we've had to do over the last couple of weeks here is really go back um, to the first step, because the 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 companies the prices kept going down, so there's a lot of companies where you know we might have not considered them in the first round of research that now we're having to to throw them back in. But pretty crazy. I, the S and P 500 down about 16% year to date, so not not as tech heavy an in index, uh, and that's the reason why. But. Interesting. This is going to be, you know, likely it's turning out to be the first year in a while that uh, that the TSX up here in Canada is going to have a substantially better performance than in the U.S. Because the TSX is only down 5% year to date compared to the NASDAQ 26. And normally over the past 10 years in pretty much every year with the exception of one, the, the U.S. markets have completely destroyed the Canadian markets uh, with respect to returns. And of course the reason why Canadian markets are shaping up so much better this year is because of energy. So the, the capped energy index is up 48% year to date due to high high oil and gas prices, which is crazy. I mean, energy has been a horrible place to invest for most of the past six or seven years. But over the past year to eighteen months, it's uh, it's been it's been propping up the the Canadian market. So
0: yeah, and th- this is why we've always talked about it as a trade versus a an investment. I mean, if you look back at investing in it five years, ten years, twenty years, uh, it's it's not a sector that you'd have a long term sustainable investment in. Uh, if you would have luckily timed it correctly, you know, over the past. 12, 6, 12 to 18 months, um, you know, you would have done well. Now, going forward, is it, the you know, where 30, 40% of your portfolio should be? No, no, no. I mean, it shouldn't be an energy. Although, although
1: like energy does make up about 25, 30% of the Canadian market, which is pretty crazy. Which but no, is they scary. We would, yes, we would not. And this is why, this is a large reason why the Canadian market has underperformed a lot of other, uh, markets from developing countries over the past decade are are certainly over, over a large part of it. But, you know, I would just say, you know, yes, oil and gas, more of a trading asset or perhaps something to just hold a long-term smaller allocation in. So one of the, one of the companies that we've recommended this year in our, our dividend stock research is a oil and gas royalty streaming company uh, diversified between Canada and the US pays a nice dividend really nice dividend actually and producing outstanding performance and giving people Direct exposure and less
0: volatile, and royalty is just less volatile less, way less, to exposure. Have exposure. exactly because like you're getting. It will have volatility.
1: You're getting in a strong oil market. You're getting you know ninety percent cash flow margins on it, which you know it is. It, and, and people have asked me, "Oh, is the dividend safe?" No, the, the dividend's not safe. It's it's pure commodity price exposure. But if you want to get some exposure in your portfolio that you just basically hold more or less long term, but it's but, but it's a relatively small part of your portfolio, maybe it's 5%, um, then that's one way to do it, right? What I find with the oil and gas producers is that, well, one, as I said, they've been for most of the last six, seven years, a horrible place to invest. Um, but also the, it's just such a complicated business. I mean, you really have to understand the properties, where they are, Uh, the decline rates, there's a lot of technicals. I mean, I've talked to management teams before about what's going on with their company. You really almost need to be a specialist in the area to really fully understand what's happening under the hood. And then of course, a lot of them, particularly in Canada, have high debt. Um, They pay high dividends, but then they're also a very capital intensive business because they have to to put a lot of money back into their properties just even to maintain production. Um, So to do that, they're taking on debt, they're issuing shares. And I personally don't like that model. I don't like the model of having to, paying a high dividend, but then having to take on a lot of debt just to maintain production. Um, to me, that's not that's not an ideal situation. So we thought Royalty Streamer was one way to get some high risk exposure to the area, high risk relative to like say other companies that would be more defensive, um, not necessarily high risk compared to other energy producers. But I mean, that's that's another way of looking at it, but, but a smaller, portion of your portfolio with the understanding that it's going to be volatile, but you at least get to participate when the energy markets are strong. Um, You know, the bottom line is that I I think that there are, well, I know that there are, there are a lot of uncertainties and there are good reasons why investors are concerned right now um, from the, the inflation to the rising interest rates, supply chain, labor market. And if you look at, I mean, we never try and predict if a economy is going to go into recession because it's not just about predicting, the likelihood of a recession. You, you have to time it properly. You have to predict the severity of it. It's just not a way to invest. So we are always focused on building a portfolio with different types of businesses so that the portfolio overall, overall is is well positioned to perform in a variety of different economic scenarios. But I mean, we certainly, you know, looking forward here, there, there are a lot of uncertainties and risks, but I also see a lot of opportunities and certainly in the tech space. I mean, companies have been, you know, the companies that we have that we have research out on in certain areas like tech, uh, um, industrial REITs, uh, other areas as well, like the performance in Q1 has been extremely strong. I mean, I was looking, a few companies on our monitor list in US tech that we're doing a lot of research on, like one being Nvidia, that company's down 50% from its highs in November. Uh, they're expected to grow their earnings per share 27% this year, another 19% next year. They're trading at 30 times earnings. Now, 30 times isn't cheap, but you know, compared to where it was a year ago, 70, 80, 90 times earnings. Uh, and this is a this is a great company. Um, creates the the best GPUs in the in the world, which are used in data centers for AI, for gaming, uh, cryptocurrency mining as well. There's advanced micro devices. AMD down 40% from its highs. Expected to grow earnings 58% this year, 14% next year. Trading at 22 times earnings, way below where we've seen the valuation over the past couple of years. Um, and the chip space is really interesting to me, computer chips, semiconductors, because you know these companies generally haven't fared well either. But we're in, we're in an extreme chip shortage right now. And there are there are many companies that are reshoring semiconductor and computer chip manufacturing back to North America. They're investing billions of dollars. On Micron Technology announced $150 billion investment into its manufacturing capacity because the demand for chips is so high. Uh, that company's down 26% year to date. Earnings expected to grow 58% this year, 31% next year. It trades at eight times earnings, a little bit of a different story than the other two, just because it, it does have more cyclicality in its business, a little more fi- financial volatility over time. Um, but I was listening to a, a an interview from the CEO of Qualcomm, and he was talking about what the reasons for the chip shortage are. And a lot of people will blame the pandemic. And he said, well, that definitely made it worse. But he's like, what really, what the real issue is, is there's just been an explosion in the demand for chips that had nothing to do with the pandemic. So the pandemic definitely accelerated that that shortfall. But I mean, if you just look at the auto industry, for example, um, the electronics that go in a car, there are thousands of chips now that go in, in some vehicles. A Deloitte put out a report, 18% of a car's cost was electronics in 2000, it's now over 40% and expected to continue to grow to 2030. So a lot of companies expanding capacity and it appears that that the demand is going to be there, even with the expanded capacity, that they're not going to be able to fully meet the demand. So huge uncertainties out there, but also huge opportunities.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing. And, and just commenting on that, it, the encouraging element would really be the demand side, you know, and it's not just a supply side issue and if we that would make it probably more sustainable.
1: Oh, absolutely in that sense yeah. yeah and I'm a big believer, and i've I've said this many times that I believe that the way out of the problems we have is really innovation, whether you're talking about climate change, where you're talking about supply chain issues, uh, inflation, uh, it, it really comes down to to innovation so I don't think that technological innovation is going anywhere digitalization trends are gonna remain over time they may slow in certain periods uh, depending on what's happening in the in the macro picture but it, it these are long-term trends and um, I think that there's an opportunity for investors to benefit from them and invest invest in that which is exciting
0: yeah and I think generally with the markets you know it's Correcting significantly and severely in some cases what I would put out to our clients and to listeners out there Um, You just gotta we're looking at every company in our portfolios and many of them. We're seeing uh, Performance the underlying performance of the business has been good. Uh, The markets generally have been bad what really worries us is if the underlying performance of the businesses is poor, regardless of what the market is doing. In this case, like I'm going to talk about a company right now, I've seen its share price pull back—not nearly what the market <laughs> has done over the past, you know, six to twelve months. But um, the underlying performance has been tremendous, so that doesn't worry us. And in those cases, you know, you're often either buying more or starting new positions for new clients in those. So, you know, looking at each company that we're holding, looking at each company that you're holding, and if the underlying performance is weak, then you're worried. If it's not weak and the overall markets are weak, um, you know, you shouldn't lose sleep at night over that in your portfolio. And again, we're going to talk about one of our stars of the week. Uh, we, we saw a share price pullback, particularly last week. It's jumped following the results that came out this week, uh, or just today. But uh, let, let's talk about the company. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. 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 Dynacor Gold Mines, DNG on the TSX. Um, our clients should be very familiar with it. Why is it a star? Well, record quarterly results put out Monday of this week. Shares jumped from a low of 264 to uh, around 310 on Monday following those results. Dynacor has a very simple business model. What does the company do? They purchase ore from small scale miners or artisanal miners in various regions of Peru. They process it at their wholly owned Veda Dorada mill and sell the extracted gold and silver internationally. It's primarily gold though at market prices. As a result, the profitability of the business depends on two factors. A margin between the price of ore purchased and the market price of gold, the higher the margin the better. And we saw that increase in this last quarter. Throughput is the second thing, the amount of ore processed essentially, the higher the throughput the better. One other factor, you know, that we'd put in there is a higher pricing gold pricing environment during a quarter encourages or overall during a uh, period encourages more small-scale mining, which grows Dynacor's oil or supply and creates profitable growth for the business. So let's look at what happened in Q1 2022. Uh, there was higher gold production, gold market price and trend uh, and favorable exchange rate. The Peruvian sol against the US dollar boosted overall financial performance. Sales were up, revenues up 22.5%. Greater quantities and higher gold market price revenues came in at 50.1 million compared to 40.9 in the same period last year. Earnings were basically uh, in line with financial guidance uh, if you consider the non-cash deferred tax recovery, but there was tremendous growth here. Uh, Revenue, net income, sorry, came in at 5.1 million for Q1 2022. That's 16 cents per share Canadian compared to about five cents. Uh, or $0.06 cents per share Canadian in the same period last year. Now, Dynacor has a great balance sheet for a company of its side. Cash on hand is $25.7 million US. That's $0.85 cents per share in cash uh, Canadian. Again, the stock trades just over $3, so $0.85 cents of that is in cash. So let's conclude here. Dynacord is not without significant geopolitical risk operating in Peru, but it has operated profitably in the country for well over a decade. The company has a solid, has solid current growth and multiple avenues for expansion, which we have detailed recently for clients. Keystone has been recommending Dynacord for several years, and we reiterated our spec buy on the stock in our Canadian focused buy portfolio last year I had to start of last year at $1.80. The stock has performed very well over that period in a down market, closing today above $3 and increasing its dividend three times to a current yield of 3.6%. We expect another dividend increase in 2022. Despite the jump, Dynacor shares currently trade with a trailing PE of 6.37. Removing the cash, that PE is 4.63. Its price to FFO trailing is 5% approximately. And the company does expect growth in 2022. Yes, again, it deserves a geopolitical risk as well as a discount to um, the average market PE, for example, because of its exposure to gold, which is a somewhat volatile commodity. But the discount right now appears to be very high. Uh, We will be updating clients on the quarter and its outlook this week. Dynacor's 75% gain not including its dividend in a down market over the past year, make it our star of the week. Uh,
1: great, uh, great story. Um, as you said, in Peru, so you know you, you have to factor that risk in, and it's it's one of it's one of many companies in your portfolio. But there you have, there you have, you know, a a, a company that ticks so many of the boxes: growth, a cash-rich balance sheet, pays a nice dividend, increasing its dividend, has a strategy for growth going forward and a reasonable valuation so it's it's it takes all those boxes um higher on the risk spectrum somewhat Mm, at least compared to like many of our other recommendations but not so compared to other small cap mining companies i would say less risky than than that group
0: yeah and i'll finish by saying like it's a great example of the unique research that we can provide this stock literally has no other analysts following it in canada it's no coverage in canada at all uh, you might ask why it's a very profitable business. Well, you know, it, that's one of the reasons it holds all the cash it needs to grow, doesn't need to raise any capital. So at present Bay street or the big banks, which make their money from raising capital, despite what you might hear, not from picking or investing in great businesses. They have little interest in covering it. It's not going to ra- need any money. So they're not going to get any money through a financing. We're happy to take the increasing dividend, strong price gains. And value like this doesn't stay hidden forever, and it'll be recognized over time. We've seen it happen before. So Aaron's going to look quickly right now at Shopify and Amazon. It's time we answer a question on your stock. In a little segment, we like to call your stock, our take. Buy, sell, or hold. Do a versus on these two. Uh, A client had asked, was Shopify significantly down just year to date? I think it's almost 75% in that range. Uh, do we see great value here? Suddenly, uh, Aaron, I'll let you take those two.
1: Great, thank you, Ryan. So, as Ryan said, Shopify, Amazon—two companies that get compared a lot. It, I've heard I've heard Shopify referred to as the as the Amazon of of Canada many times. Although I don't think that that's totally accurate, um, but I'll 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 get into this. I'd spoken before about tech companies having such uh such such negative performance since November and year to date. And Shopify is is the tech giant of Canada, virtually our only real uh, super or mega cap company, tech company here in Canada. I think at one point it was was over half of our technology sector. Um, So what we're gonna do, we're gonna compare these two companies. I'll start with just some information on Shopify. It's trading at a price right now of about $470, a market cap of 54 billion, making it still one of the biggest companies in Canada, uh, but it was previously the largest by market cap, I believe. The company is down about eighty percent since November, as Ryan said, about seventy-five percent year to date. So it has been absolutely smashed. Compare this to Amazon. Uh, Amazon trades in the on the Nasdaq exchange in the U.S. The, the share price right now is twenty-two hundred and twenty-three dollars much larger, it's a 1.13 trillion dollar company, so over 20 times the market value of Shopify. And it's also had uh, it's also had a cup uh, tough several months, down 40% since November. So, what do these companies do? Uh, And this is really where you know Shopify is compared to Amazon a lot. There are some similarities because they are both in e-commerce, but very different, very different companies, really. So, what Shopify does, just uh, just briefly, they provide a platform that allows merchants to set up online stores, uh, websites, and e-commerce on a variety of different platforms. So, essentially, you're a business, you want to engage in e-commerce. They can. They have a plug and play. Uh, system in place where you can you can integrate e- their e-commerce tools. Um, you can set up a website really easily and host that um, through Shopify. Now, Amazon, a little bit different. So as we know, it's the largest e-commerce platform in the world, so you essentially, you actually sell your products through amazon.com. That is not the same case as Shopify, that you don't sell your your products um, through shopify.com like you would do amazon.com. So Amazon, you actually sell the product on the platform as opposed to building your own website generally speaking. And then in addition to that, Amazon is also the largest cloud computing company in the world through their AWS platform. So this is really important because cloud computing is a huge theme in tech right now. This has been a major growth driver for Amazon uh, and a major win to be a first mover in this space. So right now they own about 32, 33% of the global cloud market. This is a market which is generally growing at about 20% more or less per year. And we consider this an essential industry um, because for example, during the pandemic, when um, communications workflow data was going online, this was largely going through the the cloud. So uh, the lockdown really accelerated that cloud trend, but the cloud trend has not slowed so far. So, looking at the financial performance um, for Q1 of 2022, we'll start with Shopify. Uh, total revenue in the first in the first quarter grew 22% to 1.2 billion dollars. Compare that to Amazon; uh, their net sales grew just 7% to 116.4 billion. So, uh, far less growth, but you know, far higher revenue. So, coming off of a smaller base for Shopify makes it a little bit easier for them to grow. Shopify is really just starting to get into what I would call real um, uh, cash-based net income. So adjusted net income for the first quarter was 25 million or 20 cents per diluted share. Compare that to Amazon, they produced, they produced adjusted net income of 3.8 billion or 7.56 per share. Now this was actually down from 15.80 per share in the same quarter last year. So 7% growth in revenue for Amazon, but about a 50% uh, cut to their to their earnings per share. Now Amazon did uh, continue to post really strong growth with cloud computing platform AWS, which grew 37% year over year in the first quarter, uh, and really really solidifying itself, fighting off competitors and maintaining its market share. Now if you look at historic growth over the past three years, Shopify's revenue has averaged about 62% growth annually. Compare that to Amazon's revenue averaging about 26% growth. Um, Amazon has also averaged about 26% growth in cash flow per share uh, over the past three years. Now Shopify, they're really just starting to get into cash flow and and profitability, so they're coming off of a, a, a off of a much smaller base, which means that the 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 cash flow growth is just really not comparable. It's not a good comparison. Uh, and w- when you look at outlook, both both companies are really expecting to see growth slow, at least in the near term. So. What we really saw was e-commerce demand peak during the pandemic lockdowns. Both of these companies produced stellar performance, uh, but both are expecting to see a, grow, uh, a slowdown in growth. For Shopify, they're expecting to see slower growth as they did in the first, uh, first quarter. That's going to continue to the first half of this year. They do expect to see growth start to improve towards the end of the year. Uh, such as Q4, one of the comments that was made is that some of the contract terms on their subscription business will be a headwind to growth in the first half of the year for Shopify. And for Amazon, similar situation. The company is not releasing guidance, but earnings peaked in 2021 due to very strong pandemic demand. They had some of the the best performance, historic performance for the company. Analysts are expecting to see a drop in earnings for 2022, that a return to growth in 2023, but still below the peak levels of 2021. Uh, And then once again, the cloud computing business, however, uh, is expected to continue to remain strong going forward. So valuation, Amazon right now trading at 43 times expected 2023 earnings. This is uh, definitely a premium to the market, well below Amazon's historic valuation level, uh, which also reflects lower growth expectation. Shopify 134 times expected 2023 earnings per share. So in spite of an 80% decline in the share price since november this is still one of the most expensive stocks on the market 134 times next year's earnings not even this year's expected earnings what's our conclusion well amazon is definitely the much more mature business shopify has produced better growth in revenue over the last 3 years that's largely because they're coming they're they're, they're in an earlier stage of their of their growth trend they're coming off of a lower base both companies seeing growth rates decline in the near term due to e-commerce growth peaking during the pandemic. Shopify is starting to produce profitability, but profit per share is really still quite low relative to the company's share price. And it's extremely expensive, even though it's corrected uh, a massive amount over the past several months. Amazon trading at a better valuation, still a premium to the market, better than its historic, but that the reason for that is the slowing growth. We would definitely say Amazon, by far, is the much more defensive business, more defensive than e-commerce, because Amazon.com is just much more of a brand. People just go there. Uh, it's 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 a lean, mean machine of a business. So that's you know you might see some fluctuation in growth and revenue, um, but they have a strong foothold there. And then there's also their cloud computing business, where they also have a very strong foothold. So so two leadership positions in important trends. Shopify, on the other hand it's an interesting business but it's much more likely to be exposed to competitive pressures it's less defensive it's less diversified right now we aren't a buyer of either of these companies in the near term but if i had to pick between the two i would definitely choose amazon over shopify for long term investors i just think that shopify there are just too many unknowns i like to see that defensiveness in amazon's business and once again i can't i can't uh, i can't state too much how much i love cloud computing is a long-term trend.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really good summary. I think it just, one of the things that stands out, it's shocking that Shopify can correct 80%. I mean, that is a massive, that's not a correction, that's a crash, sorry, I shouldn't say correct. And it still looks fundamentally expensive, at least in the near to midterm. It's particularly with showing growth, uh, slowing growth. It is good growth, but it's slowing. It just shows listeners how, frankly insane valuations were by late last fall after the you know what what we can call it pandemic induced run-up that we saw in technology to see that stock go down 80 percent and it still be at 134 times 2023 expected eps so it's a cautionary tale um you know everybody wanted a piece of shopify you know over the past couple years but you know it's 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 destroyed a lot, a great deal of capital because people were willing to pay just anything for even what looks like to be a very good company. You can't just pay anything, and we talk about that all the time. So let's find growth. Let's find it at a reasonable price. That's what we're looking to do, looking at about 350-plus U.S. tech companies right now over the next couple weeks to find some value for our clients in what has been a significant sell-off. So keep your questions coming in to our Your Stock, Our Take. You want us to compare two companies like Amazon and Shop, we'll do it every week. Uh, Rate us, review us if you like this content on um, iTunes, and we'll keep pumping it out there for you. As always, I'd like to wish you profitable investing, and thank
1: you. Thank you, profitable investing.